This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you are centering your time in. You got it. Self-care, rest, and joy and pleasure. Got a great show planned for you. We're going to talk about COVID mistakes. Why? There's a lot of them. You know, every time I think, every time they've got it all down pat, I keep seeing and hearing these mistakes. Uh, gonna talk about that, and uh, later in the show, gonna talk about STDs and STIs. It's important. It's something that impacts all of us. So we'll be doing that later in the show. And uh, question of the night, as always, up on our Loveline IG page and stories. Please weigh in on that bad boy. And then uh, doing some DMs because that's how we do it. Uh, got some news, some openers. Never, ever, ever, ever dull going on in the world. But I wanted to start off by talking about an article I looked at that actually kind of horrified me. Not not in the most, um, maybe it's a little bit of a dramatic way. So I'm looking at this article. It's in a uh, parenting journal. And it was talking about, wait for it, how many hours every single day that a child should spend outside? Now again, when I tell you what it is, you're going to think, you mean a week, every week, right? No, this is what they said every day, ideally. Ready? Every day, a child should be outside for anywhere from four to five hours. Sit with that for a second. Um, sometimes it's zero. Now, I know we're in a pandemic, so it shouldn't actually matter because we're still trying to get outside. Fresh air, sunlight, right? Social distancing, but getting outside. So please make sure you're getting outside. Uh, your bare feet, ideally, at some point, do touch the earth frequently. But basically, it's talking about the fact that these days, kids' time especially during the week, is spent just in school. And then they come home and they've got homework and then chores. It's not what our lives are meant to be centered in, just work, 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 but also it's bad for our mental health. So that's the question. Not just how often in a day are your children or the children you know or that you care for getting time outside, how often are you? This is just general health, physical and mental, spiritual too, right? Uh, I know for me... (laughs) There's probably days where it's minutes checking the mail. So it was a reminder for me that I need to spend more time outdoors, whether it's sitting on a stoop, going for a walk, sitting outside at a coffee shop, safely distanced masks for those that have access to outside areas, whatever it is. But please reprioritize that because play is important for adults and children, but especially for children. That's where that's when creativity emerges. I know with all the artists I work with, and I work with a lot in all different fields, that part of them not feeling really dynamic or creative is because they're spending too much time working. Creativity doesn't emerge from working. Creativity emerges from play. It emerges from downtime. It's part of why I miss the gym. Even though the gym requires work, it's also a time when I put on my headphones music and I zone out and I come up with some of my most creative dynamic ideas. So we want time, you know, we talk about self-care, we talk about joy and pleasure, we talk about rest. All of that is play. 
It is not directed. It is not goal-oriented. Our minds wander. That's why I love things like adult coloring books, right? Video games at times, board games. These are just about fun and joy. They don't have anything. They're not tied to productivity or, or income, which removes some of the power of joy. But man, when I heard four to five hours every day, I thought, good luck with that. But that should be what we're striving for. We want to set our days, our lives, institution, norms, values, geared around what people need, right? So that's a big one. Also thought this was interesting. It's kind of a twofer. So uh, not surprising that uh, the adult toy market is on the rise. That's because people are home, they're bored, they're solo, or they're with a partner looking for something new to do. We're home around the clock. But a lot of people are now on their own. They're not part of hookup culture or dating, and that's where a lot of you know, romance and activity came from. And so people are at record numbers purchasing adult toys. I'm here for it. That's a sign that you are all about pleasure. But bigger than that is we see the rise I mean, I think it's like 500% increase in veganism, right? People are focusing more on health, ecologically, spiritually, you know, physically. Uh, there's a huge demand for vegan adult toys. Yep. People care about the product and what it's made from. Now, part of that's because, you know, things that, you know, are tied to use with our body. We want to be aware of fabrics and materials. But as ethics and uh, priorities shift, people are caring about that on a larger level. I'm telling you, every day I see a longer list of uh, celebrities and athletes that have gone vegan, plant-based, for health, for the environment, for spiritual reasons. Tons of places popping up. I can't even tell you on the West Coast, a plethora of places all the time. We were talking a couple, I think it was two weeks ago. There's a new bar, bar, restaurant, nightclub opening up that's vegan. We've never had a vegan nightclub. I'm here for that. Hopefully it'll have non-alcoholic drinks. I'm sure it will because there's non-drinkers like myself. But um, <clears throat> I'm all here for these kinds of shifts. But I thought it was interesting that like double, that double whammy there. And uh, let's go out on a musical note. I'm not familiar with this artist. There's... I'm not familiar with many of them anymore. I've reached that age where uh, a lot of the artists I'm interested in aren't necessarily releasing new music, although there are. I'm, I'm all about this certain kind of uh, folk uh, and folk indie, folk indie electro kind of genre. Lots of great stuff coming out. But there's an artist named Little Uzi Vert. Not familiar, but uh, got a 11 carat diamond pierced into his forehead. Ah, yes, the youngins. Pushing boundaries with body modification. It's never dull. Every time you think you've seen it all, something else pops up. God bless. Not sure how that'll work out or how comfortable that is to sleep with. But uh, yeah, things are changing. Um, all right, like I said, coming up, we're going to talk about mistakes with COVID. Got to keep ourselves safe and those around us, as well as uh, talk about STDs and STIs, which is really important for every single adult out there. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about everyday COVID mistakes. I know, are you tired of hearing about COVID? I am, but that's because we haven't figured this all out yet. Uh, but don't worry, later in the show, we're going to be getting into some uh, sexual health, sex education topics. We're going to talk about how to better deal with STDs and STIs, really important information, up-to-date stuff. It's all about feeling more confident in the world. But let's talk about some COVID mistakes that people are making because I'm hearing these left and right. I'm hearing these every day in sessions from friends, from family members, on television. A lot of misinformation out there. Now, remember, it's a novel virus. We've only had it for about a year. We're still learning a lot about it. And viruses are very complex. They are not simple things. And there's a lot of change. And we keep hearing about mutations. But there's some foundational things that always apply and have always applied. 
Um, but we have to be smart about all this. The first one is uh, we can't, I hear, I, I just heard this last night actually. Someone saying, yeah, but I was with friends. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, you, you, you thought that all was well because even though there's a pandemic out there and it's highly infectious, it was good because you were with friends. So it's this whole concept of trust or being careful. You're either following the necessary protocols or you're not, and it really doesn't matter if it's a stranger or friend, they both have the same level of possibility of being infected. The, the stats and numbers don't change whether it's a stranger or friend. They're both people that are out in the world and can transmit the virus. And you can't be, you're not being more careful because it's, you're around people you know. I just wanna call that out. So saying, I'm only gathering with friends or only family members, that, that does not matter. The virus is not like, oh, they all know each other. I'm gonna stay out of this or I'm not gonna infect anyone while I'm here. It doesn't work that way. It's an equal opportunity virus. So you are not being careful <clears throat> just by being around people you trust or know. And how is it you're trusting this person? If they're around you, they're most likely around other people as well. So we have to get rid of this whole idea. Uh, one study, 551 American adults, found that a quarter of them, 25%, had lied about their social or physical distancing practices. Yeah. And among those who had contracted COVID, 34% reported having denied having symptoms when asked. So people lying. <laughs> Uh, they're lying because of shame and guilt. That's right. So you can't trust because they're not being honest about their practices or even about symptoms. Yeah, that's right. We have to be a little more thoughtful than just I'm around people I know and somehow thinking that that makes it okay. Um, also, the uh, lack of understanding of what airborne means. And also, well, we'll get to this other one, but there's also a misunderstanding about what six feet apart looks like. <laughs> and airborne also has a difference based on how it's being projected, talking, laughing, singing, heavy breathing. Like these are all different levels of projection and amounts of the virus that are gonna come out in terms of being airborne. And I love this statement. Imagine this or be literal about this. If you could smell someone's garlic or alcohol breath or cigarette smoke, you're definitely inhaling particles. That is how you're able to smell it. It's, it you're inhaling it. And that's also gonna mean the virus has been leaving their nose or their mouth, and you've internalized that. So how much virus depends on different people and their different immune responses, but if you stand there long enough, you're gonna inhale enough to possibly infect you, right? And just as you'll eventually detect the smell of cigarette smoke if someone lights up on the opposite side of the office, airborne viruses gradually accumulate in stuffy indoor conditions. And this is why ventilation is so important. So think about that. If someone at the other end of the office was smoking, you might not initially smell it because it hasn't traveled or gotten into your nose, but eventually it does because ventilation isn't good. And if you're in the kind of space where that could happen or you could smell the food that someone down the hall's eating, then you could also inhale those particles. And ventilation, as they say, this is the expert speaking, doesn't mean just opening a window. Sit with that. You do need a draft going through. So people should be cautious of ventilation, including at home, because that's where most transmission takes place at home. And that's why it's important that everyone that's living together is talking about rules and regulations and that they're following whatever the group has set down as what's necessary to protect each other. Because at home is one of the biggest places where transmission's occurring. <sighs> I know. And then there's this whole idea of everything being all or nothing. Well, if I'm not gonna follow through on some things, I'm just gonna let it all go. Oh no, if you've made a mistake or you haven't been being smart enough, think, 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 think better about making sure every other area is handled. 
A lot of experts are saying that the amount matters. So just because you're not wearing the best mask doesn't mean it's not good at all. Only if you, if you can only wear one instead of the recommended two, it still matters. Like we still want to follow and take care of ourselves to the best we can, right? It's not all or nothing. If I can't do it to 100%, then I just don't worry about it. No, we have to. Um, also, they're talking more about the fact that just because it's outdoors doesn't mean it's 100% safe. That's not 100% risk-free. You know, we still can inhale particles. There still might not be good ventilation. We still might be too close to people. We can still necessarily inhale it. It has to do with space. It has to do with time. It has to do with your immune system. So you could be outdoors, but if you're in busy shopping areas or you're jogging near people, that still is going to matter. We have to get that into our heads <laughs> because I'm, I'm hearing some people think that outdoors means totally okay and we can be close to our masks off. No, it's just better. It's just safer. It's just a little less riskier, but the risk is still there. All right. We're going to keep talking about this. We're going to take a little break when we come back more COVID myths, and then we'll be talking about STDs and STIs. You're listening to a love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right. We're back and we're talking about COVID myths because there are so freaking many. Uh, a lot of times we're talking about are just this whole idea is that you don't have to do all or nothing. We do the best we can, right? And if there's a, a little bit of an area that we need to strengthen, that doesn't mean we let go of all the precautions we're taking. And we're also being less um, confident in, in things like being outdoors because that doesn't mean everything's great and well. It just means the, the risk is lower, but it's not risk-free. So please don't think that we can just go out into crowds and around people and think we're good. And please don't think that because it's people you know that there's a lower risk. Uh, this whole trust idea of, well, I trust that person. Stats are showing that people are misleading, lying, or again, asymptomatic. Um, vaccinations talked about this a little bit that being vaccinated doesn't mean that you can't still get infected or pass along the virus. Know that 90% of the population still hasn't even received a vaccination and it might be months. And even after you do get the vaccination, it takes weeks, weeks for the immune response to develop. And even then we're still not sure about how much protection you have. <clears throat> so we do know and have seen that people getting vaccinated have become infected and have spread it. Now we're seeing a lot of stories and stats of people getting their first shot and thinking I'm good and they're dropping their precautions and they're going and spending time around people. Man, please don't do that. Also, some people think if I've gotten it, I'm good and I can't get it twice. You can. I was in line, masked and socially distanced. Person in front of me at the supermarket <clears throat> kept trying to talk to me and I was trying to keep my distance, wasn't trying to share aerosols was telling me the story. I don't know if I shared this with y'all that they were having a dinner party. And I was like, I, I was so uncomfortable. And I said, wow, I guess you are not worried about infection. I just went there. And he said, no, we already, we all already had it because people think if you've had it once, you can't get it again. That is exactly why <laughs> this thing is still spreading. We have misinformation <clears throat> and I get that we are all tired. <laughs> You know, the first quarter of events like this, it's new and novel. So we're anxious, we're scared. Second phase, second phase syndrome, we are depressed, we're flat, we're bored. And now we're in the third phase where we're getting a little aggressive and we're getting frustrated, we're getting stir, stir crazy. And this is when people start taking risks. And that's why we're still seeing the numbers. So remember, it's not safe. All's not well. Vaccination is not 100%. You can still get it twice. 
we have to be thoughtful. Now we're talking about and seeing new strains, which might require a booster shot with our vaccination. We don't know, but the numbers are still high. People are still not getting access. I was watching the news and I was seeing that. I think what they said, 60%, yeah, it was 60% of people that have been vaccinated are white. Uh, people of color, the other 40%, um, that's too low. 5% were black. We need to have access for everyone. So that's shifting. Um, we need to stop jumping line. We need to stop going to areas that we don't live in that are for exploited, marginalized populations and they're trying to get them access and trying to heal their relationship with the system and make them feel safe and trust. And we're, everything's getting in the way. <clears throat> so I'm glad that these other areas are starting to try to account for that and we're trying to block people going into other distant areas and taking, you know, God, jumping the line, I guess, taking whatever methods they can. Privilege is definitely at play with that. But, you know, we still have the, the, we still have the responsibility of looking out for those around us, um, you know, wearing it, following rules, not lying. I mean, and that's what we'll be talking about later in the show. We're going to be talking about SDs and STIs. And this whole thing about, well, it's people I know where I trust them. It doesn't matter because people, you can't, if someone doesn't themselves know what's going on in their body, well, then trust doesn't even matter. And sometimes it's the people close to us, like at home, that are the ones that create the most problems. So keep talking about this. Keep checking and correcting misinformation. Keep educating people. Be thoughtful about it. Be, be compassionate. But please do not allow these myths to keep proliferating and going around because we just need one person from a social network or one person from a family to really call out some of those myths and uh, hopefully get us back on track because far too many people have lost their lives around this. And... <clears throat> Totally preventable to the extent we can. So thankful for technology, though, because that's what's going to allow us to get through this, getting things delivered, staying in contact with people. So before we wrap up this segment, let's just wrap it up with a mental health reminder. Check on people. There are a lot of people that are feeling very isolated. We're seeing in Canada high rates of suicidality and suicide due to the isolation and depression. And so they're changing their social protocols to accommodate for that. We don't want to have to see that happen in the States. So please let people know that you're there. There's a lot of people that are self-isolating by themselves and haven't been around another person for a very long time. So every day check in on people, even the ones you think that are strong and are doing fine. Every day check in on three people. Every day connect to three people right? Text, send a message, send a picture, send an email. I don't care. But every day connect with three people. That is for your mental health and their mental health, right? That's, that's, the, that's the bare minimum. And just keep checking in on your own mental health. Keep asking people, how's your mental health? As opposed to just, how are you? Let them know that you are a safe space and we can talk about that. And do your own daily check-ins. What might you need to do that day to reorient your day to really prioritize and accommodate whatever you're going through with your mental health? All right, y'all? We want to come out of this as best as possible. All right, you got a question? Drop it into the DMs on our Loveland IG page. Question of the night is up on our Loveland IG page in the stories, so weigh in on that. And as always, if you want to check out some past episodes, you can go to wearechannelq.com. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs, so stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty. I know it's tough. It's tough. We don't want to keep hearing about COVID stuff, but we have to. I feel like every time I turn on the news or I read an article, I'm learning new important information that I've seen people I've seen people putting a lot of misinformation, right? And so whenever I find out new information that challenges all of the myths and flaws of what people are saying prior, we gotta get it out there. Uh, you know, one of the biggest ones was just hearing people say that they're vaccinated now's all now all's well. We can just be kind of hitting the streets and it's like no. 
So while we still are in a pandemic, I will continue to bring you important information, dispelling those myths. But uh, now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Slide into our DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This Valentine's Day, we aren't sliding into DMs, we're gliding into them. That's because Astroglide is here with a dozen different personal lubricants for whatever or whoever you want to get into this month. From self-love to an intimate night with your loved one, Astroglide can help you surpass your intimate expectations. All right, this DM, which all of them come from our Loveline IG page, just drop it on in the DMs and producer Alex will hook it up. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, <clears throat> I'm noticing that one of my best friends is super manipulative and I'm wondering if I should say anything to them or let it go because it's none of my business. Hmm, we'll come back. Basically, he can never be single. He's moved from relationship to relationship for as long as I've known him. This past relationship, he was with a girl named Rachel. He convinced her to move in with him in a brand new apartment that he definitely couldn't afford, then guilt tripped her into working overtime. They broke up about a month ago, and he's already on to a new girl, Britt. He just convinced Britt to invite him in a trip to Miami with her best friends, even though they've been dating less than a month. I'm noticing that he plays the victim card a lot, and to be honest, it's pretty frustrating to watch, but... I'm torn between talking to him about it or just letting it go because that's not my relationship and these girls need to realize what he's doing. So there's a lot of um, assumptions you're making. So uh, you're, we'll come back to the manipulative part, but I wanna weigh in on the other thing. It, it is none of your business how soon or how often he's in new relationships. That is not up to you. And you're making a lot of implications and pathologizing. Some people go from relationship to relationship. That is okay. We Most of us want to be in a relationship, which means that should be an active goal that we're working on. And our relational selves is the most important thing to work on because we're in a multitude of ongoing relationships always, whether romantic or otherwise. So not everyone likes to be single. I don't. I do far better when I'm in a relationship and I'm actively working on my relational self. And so there's nothing wrong with going from relationship to relationship. That you need to deal with. That's your own stuff. Why Why is that hard for you to watch? What, what does that bring up for you that's hard to manage? Why do you need him to not do that so you can feel better? So it's saying a lot more about you. This person is happy in relationships, has access to a lot of them. Awesome. Have at it. We don't have to work on learning to be single if that's not a goal or that's not something that's most familiar for us right? So you need to leave that be. He's allowed to go to a residential relationship. And even talking about the length of time, length of time doesn't speak to intimacy or commitment. It just doesn't. And some people have far more intimacy and commitment after a few months than others do after many years. Just like someone not being married doesn't mean they have less commitment or intimacy than people that are married. I work with a multitude of married couples that have been together for decades and have barely any intimacy or love, care, or commitment. And then I work with people that have been dating for weeks and have far more intimacy, care, and commitment. So we need to stop that heteronormative idea that length of time tells us anything because it doesn't. And we also need to get away from the idea of pathologizing relationality. Some people like and do better in a lot of relationships. I do. I move fast, I move close, I love hard, and, and that is healthy and appropriate. Um, and so you have to, that's your stuff. You're anxious seeing him move that speed. So you have to do work on that part. Now, as far as this manipulative part, maybe, I, I, again, I don't know, you're throwing so many assumptions and pathologizing this person that maybe he's not manipulative. Maybe this is just how it goes. He meets people, they go on a trip, the location sounded really great. He's like, it'd be great if I could go, can I? They say yes. I don't know. I'm hesitant to assume that you using the word manipulative means that he in fact is. And these women are adults. And I don't see him harming anyone. I don't see him harming anyone directly. I don't know. 
So I really feel like it's your work and you need to let this person live their life and you need to kind of calm yourself down. That's what we often do. When we see someone living in a way that we don't like, we think it's somehow our job to stop them, but it's not. It's our job to regulate ourselves and to say, why is their behavior making me so uncomfortable? What's that saying about me? Because it's your work to stop, right? Not to stop other people so you don't have to do your work. So let your friend live his life. He's, he's having a great life. You go focus on your relationships. You know what I mean? All right, y'all. Coming up next, uh, we're going to be talking about STDs and STIs. Important information, dispelling some myths, dropping some gems. Really important stuff for anyone who's in a relationship currently or wants to be in one. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about uh, STDs. <laughs> Sorry, I had another topic there in front of me. Um, really important topic. So, uh, you know, just letting parents know if this is uh, not uh, age appropriate for your children, it's time to usher them out of the room. Uh, yeah, so let's jump right in. Basically, STDs, STIs are something that has a lot, a lot of stigma tied to it. Really fascinating in our culture how we will respond differently to a bacterial or viral infection based on the root, right, or the method around which it was obtained or occurred. <clears throat> so historically, if someone, you know, gets the flu or a virus from, uh, you know, a coworker, a colleague, or a friend, we have no problem telling everyone, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, I had the flu all weekend. I was in bed sick, you know, literally in bed, you know, pooping their pants, snot coming out of their nose, <clears throat> can't speak, calling out of work, whatever it is. No shame in that at all. You know, I might've gotten it from a baby doorknob, sick coworker, no shame. But if you get a viral infection or a bacterial infection from sex, oh my God, don't tell anyone. Don't let anyone know that I'm a healthy sexual being in the world and that most of us have and will come in contact with something at some point in our lives. It is fascinating to me to no end how we only stigmatize and shame viral and bacterial infections that occur through sex. Any other method, we're good. We don't care. And what's funny is the most popular and the bulk of STDs and STIs that we can get are resolved very quickly with a shot and a pill. One off, boom, boom, done, same visit. We're all better, right? Often has no symptoms. And yet, we have more shame around that, won't talk about it, than getting it from, again, a sick baby, a colleague, or a doorknob, or an airplane. And that actually knocks us out for days, far nastier symptoms. And we'll talk openly about that. But God forbid it came from sex. We have, we're horrified. It's because we have a very sex-phobic, sex-negative culture. Somehow, sex is a special case, right? We've talked about it. You can walk through Whole Foods, bang your elbow. Oh, I hurt my elbow. You bang your penis. You're not going to shout it. Banged my penis. We drop our, our, we drop our voice whenever we talk about something sexual. But we will talk loudly about anything else. We, we need to stop doing that. We need to normalize. Just like we talk all the time on the show about normalizing mental health and being able to openly be like, I'm depressed. I've been anxious all week. We have to be able to say, you know, uh, sexual topics as well. It, it will harm no one. No one has been traumatized by hearing the discussion of sexuality. They aren't and they haven't. Now, we do want to be aware of consent, right? <clears throat> but consent comes into play when we're misusing or weaponized. We're making someone uncomfortable. But the healthy adult discussion around sexuality should be able to be had at all times. Otherwise, we're being sex negative and body negative and we're not focusing on mental health. Sex occurs. We got to be open to understanding that. 
in the appropriate context and in the appropriate ways, right? Um, there's a lot of things I don't need to know or want to hear about about people's lives. And so we do want to be thoughtful about who we're talking to, but we shouldn't have to have guilt or shame. And that's usually the biggest negative to an STD or an SCI infection is the social stigma and shame, the psychological aspect. That usually tends to be the most torturous part. Because as I said, most of them, all the bacterial ones, are able to be gotten rid of with a shot and a pill. Bam, you go to the clinic, done, handled. A lot of the viral ones will clear themselves and might never even produce symptoms. But yet we have that psychological shame because when someone gets um, uh, diagnosed with an STD or an STI, I'm gonna use them interchangeably, we have an identity crisis. We now see ourselves as a different person. Oh my God, I'm someone living with an STD. And yet we can be living with so many other things, so many other identity changes occur in our lives, but only this one generates so much anxiety because we know the world we're gonna be stepping into and how we're gonna be treated. We're gonna be treated as though we're dirty. Yup, people actually use that word. Because people will say, instead of just saying the way we should say, which is, hey, when's the last time you were tested? Ah, have you come up positive for any infections? Instead of saying that, we'll say, are you clean? Which implies you're dirty if you've gotten an STD or STI, which most of us have or will, just haven't known it, we've come in contact with it, we'll talk about those stats in a minute, but we have to stop using the shame-based language, clean and dirty. No, it's have you been tested, did you come up positive? Oh, you did, okay, well go get treated and then we can talk. Go get treated, wait the week that they recommend after you get the shot and the pill, and then we can have sex. But it only takes one time. So someone having an STD or STI does not make them sexually promiscuous, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with having as much sex as you're interested in having that you have the time and energy and desire for. There's no right amount of sex to have. And we need to get away from shaming that as well. Have the amount of sex that you're comfortable having. Because when we slut shame someone and call someone slutty or promiscuous, what we're saying is, we're talking only about ourselves, we're not even talking about them, because what we're saying is we, the speaker, is, more, is uncomfortable with the amount of sex that the other person's having, and that's none of our business. So we have to work on being better about this, because one of the number one reasons why STDs and STIs continue to get passed along is because of the stigma of asking and talking about it. Some people won't get tested because they don't want to step into the identity crisis of now being seen as a dirty person. And if we can normalize talking about it, getting tested, having infections, then people will be comfortable asking and telling because a lot of people are withholding because they're afraid of the response. All right, we're gonna take a little break. And when we come back, we are gonna continue this important discussion about STDs and STIs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about STDs and STIs and we're really just unpacking right now how the biggest, the biggest issue around a lot of it is the social stigma and social shame. I feel different in the world now. What am I gonna tell people? How are they gonna respond? Because we don't have enough maturity around it. We need to get comfortable asking questions and disclosing so that that becomes familiar. Because, bum ba bum bum 80%, 80% of all sexually active people will most, most likely be exposed to STDs and STIs, 80%. So again, Eight out, of, eight out of 10 people running around out in the world, think of 10 of your friends, eight of them have been exposed and possibly been infected, but at least exposed and come in contact with HPV and a whole host of other STDs and STIs. Why? Because that's part of being sexual. It's part of being a human. 
Y'all want to talk about how many bacterial and viral infections you've been exposed to by doing non-sexual things, by just being around friends in a packed car or at a party or making out with someone or going to Target or CVS shopping or being on an airplane. You've been exposed to around a whole lot of bacterial and viral infections most likely there too. But somehow again, sex is especially scary. So when I say 80% around the sexual piece, things are people are horrified. But if I say that about being just in a packed car, they're like, oh yeah, I get it. What's the difference? Again, the stigma is the difference. You feel especially dirty because the way we treat it in our culture, if we're talking about the sexual transmission and it shouldn't matter. Okay, so a lot of important points I wanna make tonight. Um, First one is we have to give informed consent. Now we talk a lot about consent. We want people to have consensual sex, sex where the partners are interested and open to having it. But we have to talk about informed consent. If the partner, that we're having sex with is not made aware of what they're coming in contact with, then they haven't consented. They've consented to what they're imagining they're coming in contact with. You need to disclose. If someone has an STD or STI, you need to disclose. Otherwise, your partner is not consenting to sex with someone who has an STD or STI because they haven't been told. You need to make them aware. It's called informed consent. I know it's difficult. I know it's not easy, but it's a part of being sexual because we don't have safe sex. We have safer sex. Nothing is safe. Going to the movies, going on an airplane is not safe. People get infections that way too. They get colds and viruses and flus all the time going to a restaurant. So it's about being safer. We wash our hands. If someone's coughing, we lean away and cover our mouths. We just practice being safer. But if you wanted to never get a virus or bacterial infection, please don't be around babies and airplanes. Don't touch doorknobs. We have to live in the world though. But you have to disclose. Also know that when we're talking about things like herpes, even if you don't have an outbreak, you still can infect another person. It is a myth that you are only able to infect others when you have an outbreak. And so you do need to ask, you do need to tell because you, the person listening, you are responsible for your sexual health. I want people to disclose, but you are responsible, so you need to also ask. If you are not confident enough to ask, then you are not mature enough or ready to be having sex. You have to be willing to say to your partners, when is the last time you were tested? We have to ask that. That is not us shaming them. That is not us calling them slutty. That is us practicing sexual health. We have to be able to ask that we are most responsible for ourselves. And we have to trust that our partner will disclose. And the reason why we're getting tested, if you're sexually active, even while not having any symptoms of anything, is because the number one most common symptom of the bacterial infections in the world of STDs is no symptom at all. And so just because you have no symptoms doesn't mean you don't have an STD or STI that you can't give to someone else who then might have symptoms. So we need to be getting tested regularly at least once a month if you are sexually active. We should be getting tested before every new partner or after a partner, but we need to ask and we need to disclose. Because again, 80% of us who are sexual out in the world have come in contact with, we might not have contracted, but we've come at least in contact with all of these SCDs and STIs. It is important. Okay. Now, when we're talking about things like herpes, okay, which the, the biggest issue of herpes is not the symptoms itself, as much as it's the stigma, because a lot of the symptoms can be visible and then we feel very stigmatized. I'm not saying the symptoms and outbreaks don't cause some pain and discomfort, but the larger aspect is I have to face the world and what will the world say? But ready for this? This is why we need to get tested because 80% of people that have herpes don't even know it. 80% don't even know it. And 50% of us are carrying it just asymptomatically. Or 
our outbreaks were so minor, we didn't notice. We thought it was something else. And that's why you have to get tested. And also know most tests only test for the big four, big five, and they often leave out testing for herpes. <clears throat> it's expensive. You have to request it. And they figure half people have it anyway. It's been passed around. A lot of people got it as a child by being kissed on the mouth by a, a friend, loved one, or family member. Yep, that's right. That's how common it is. And 80% of us don't even know it. Just keep passing it around. And 50% of us already have it. Talk about things like HPV. Most just clear themselves and go away. A lot of, it, a lot of times it's latent. There are no screenings. Often has no symptoms, especially in men. Can lead to forms of cancer. Can lead to genital warts. That's when people are often made aware because of the symptoms. Right? But often it clears itself. All this to say, we just need to talk. All this to say, we need to use safer sex practices. Condoms, awesome. They don't protect from all of this. Why? Because skin to skin still occurs even while wearing a condom, right? So we need to talk. We need to get tested. We need to ask questions. But in order to do so, we have to feel confident. And that's why we have to normalize these things. We have to get familiar discussing these things. None of this is to be a fear tactic. It's to be a motivating tactic. It's to make people reduce the shame if they do become infected. Go get treated. Move on with your life. People can, while having the untreatable, more viral, like herpes, they can lead beautiful sex lives. But it's different. It's different because your precautions will have to be different. Going on treatment will reduce the severity and the level of infectiousness. But we still want to be with a partner that we've made that disclosure to. While knowing that most likely that partner could themselves have it. He could be, he or she could be one of the 80% that just didn't know it. Fit one of the 50% that already has it. Because that's the 80% of the people that already have it don't know it, right? So I know the numbers are a little confusing, but we got to talk. We have to disclose. We have to normalize. We have to stop using words like, are you clean or dirty, right? Because no one should be shamed for having lived their lives as a healthy sexual adult and then contracted something. Taking a break. <laughs> You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and we're continuing our discussion of STDs and STIs to empower people. I'm trying to normalize. Uh, most of them, you will live a amazing, great life. You have nothing to worry about. It's just part of being in the world. You will have no symptoms. It will be asymptomatic. If you do have symptoms, you'll get treated. You'll move on with your life. We're going to disclose. We have to not be afraid. We have, to, we have to understand that we live in a world where we are constantly coming in contact with bacterial infections and viruses. Wash our hands, cover our mouths when we cough, use protection. We're going to talk about that now. Get tested. And that's the best we can do. Live your life, y'all. So let's talk about safer sex practices. Condoms. Depending on the stats you look at, let's say 96 plus percent effective, not 100%. They don't protect your entire lower area. It's just a small percentage of that. Skin to skin is how a lot of the STDs and SEIs are transmitted. And skin to skin still occurs while using condoms, but they do help prevent pregnancy and fluid-based STDs and STIs like HIV. So that's really meaningful. Okay, if we're talking about HIV, we also know we have PrEP. PrEP is a pre-exposure pill. You take it every single day, okay? And that will prevent the infection of HIV. That's right. If you take PrEP every day, you will not contract HIV. It is about 98% effective. That's more effective than condoms, okay? Also know that it's important to get tested because if you are HIV positive and you get treated, 
you can get your viral load down to undetectable, and that means you cannot transmit the virus to someone else. So how do we protect ourselves from HIV? We take PrEP. If you're on PrEP, remember, 98% effective, you won't get it. If you are positive for HIV and you take your medication, you become undetectable. U equals U. Undetectable means you cannot transmit it to someone else. That is a double whammy. Your partner's on PrEP. You're taking your medication for HIV. We are good to go. We also have something called PEP, which is for post-exposure. If you think you might have been infected with HIV due to the condom breaking, uh, having someone ejaculate in you, whatever might have occurred, you have 72 hours. If you go get PEP, you will not become infected with HIV. You have 72 hours. But you should have already been on PrEP or using condoms to help prevent that. So know that we, we are able in our current time to eliminate the transmission of HIV if we follow these protocols. What's stunning is PrEP also has been, the CDC has signed off on PrEP being used on occasion. What that means is not everyone wants to take the daily pill. And if you're not sexually active, you don't need to be taking PrEP on the daily. There is no reason to have that going in your system if you're not having sex. And when you take PrEP, you go to the doctor and get tested. I think it's every 30 days. So they're checking your liver and your kidneys. I know some people are worried about those side effects. If you come off the medication, it's resolved. But here's another solution. If you got a big weekend coming up and you're like, well, I haven't been taking it all week and I don't want to, you can use what we call PrEP on demand. It's called the 2-1-1. What it means is you take it at least up to two hours before you have sex, two pills. Two pills at least two hours before sex. Come on, we can do that. Got it on hand. Then you take one pill 24 hours from when you took the first one. And then you take one more pill 48 hours after that one. So it's two pills two hours before sex, one 24 hours after that, and one more 48 hours after that, and you're good to go. So you can take it on demand. That is phenomenal. Remember, PrEP is for every single gender and sexual orientation. It is for gay people, straight people, queer people. It is for female body, trans, cis, male, everything, non-binary. It's for everyone. We can all be taking this if we're sexually active on demand, like the 2-1-1 protocol, or every single day if we're higher risk and having more sex, or we're sex workers, or whatever maybe it is we're doing. That's massive. So we have condoms. We have PrEP and PEP. Again, PEP is the pill you take within 72 hours if you've been exposed. We have the fact that we're going to be talking honestly about when people were tested and we're going to get tested. That's going to help. Also, our good old buddy, Lube. Lube is a phenomenal way to also prevent STDs and STIs. How's that? Well, not using lube can lead to friction tears, microabrasions, and that just gives viruses and bacteria better ways to enter our system. By using lube, that won't happen. It helps reduce that. That also helps prevent things like condoms from ripping because condoms, when used appropriately, are about 96% effective plus, but sometimes people, they fall off, they break, they don't put them on correctly, they double dip, you're supposed to use a new condom with every new partner and every new position or every new area of the body that you're engaging. Lube helps with that. But the biggest issue is going to be the shame because people are afraid to talk about these things. We have to be willing to. Um, also remember things like clean your sex toys. You know, it's about safer sex. It's not about 100%. We're doing the best we can. But all this information is what's going to keep us safe. But we have to be confident and willing to talk about it. And if you're not, then you're not necessarily ready to have sex. If all these topics are making you uncomfortable. I want everyone to have all the sex they want to have. But I want them to do it in a smart, healthy, safe way. But we have to normalize all of this. So talk. Have sex with only people you trust. Get tested. And use the level of protection 
that feels most comfortable and confident for you, whatever that may be. All right, y'all, enough of that. Coming up next, we're going to be doing some DMs. So uh, if you've got a question for us, put it into our Loveline IG page. In the DMs, question of the night, uh, we'll be back with that tomorrow. So that is on our Loveline IG page. In the stories, weigh in on that. And as always, if you want to check out some past episodes of Loveline, you can head on over to wearechannelq.com. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Slide into our DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This Valentine's Day, we aren't sliding into DMs, we're gliding into them. That's because Astroglide is here with a dozen different personal lubricants for whatever or whoever you want to get into this month. From self-love to an intimate night with your loved one, Astroglide can help you surpass your intimate expectations. Today's DM says, hey, Dr. Chris, I know that a lot of people probably feel the same. But I feel a lot more on edge recently than I ever have before. Is this normal? Or am I just really getting sick of this pandemic and the current state of the world? I think any healthy, conscious, awake human being is going to be on edge right now for a multitude of reasons. We are watching people in certain states just act like we're not in a pandemic, not caring that that impacts not only those around them, but the rest of us on the planet, because that's how things get spread. (laughs) Number one. Number two, we're watching the current state of politics. We've got a better president in the office, but it's still patriarchal, right? It's still a lot of white cis hetero nonsense, uh, still capitalist system at play, right? People still aren't getting their basic needs met. Still, people are still worrying about jobs, housing, food, right? Healthcare. <laughs> like that hasn't been dealt with. Hoping to get student loans canceled. So there's a lot going on. You know what I mean? And we still see gay people getting murdered around the world, black lives still getting treated as though they don't matter. We still have Republicans in the House that are conspiracy theorists and being completely ridiculous. Yes, I'm talking to you, Marjorie, one of the most unintelligent people I've ever met in my entire life. Haven't met her, but you know. So we, yes, you should be on edge. <laughs> I'm worried about anyone who's not. Anyone who's like, yeah, I'm not bothered. Well, welcome to privilege. You must be a white cis hetero person because anyone who's ever had any exploited marginalized identity is on edge because any marginalized exploited identity right now is being called into question whether you're fat whether you're an addict whether you are lower socioeconomic status whether you are black whether you have color whether you're queer whether you are gay or trans all of these individuals are worried and struggling right now so you should be on edge and also we're tired we want our lives back and that's why i'm frustrated watching people just live their lives like we're not in a pandemic and are continuing to perpetuate and spread this the most of the super spreading things are happening at home at people's events and parties. It's okay to delay your wedding. It's okay to skip your birthday party this year. It's okay for holidays to be different. Dear God, let go of the narcissism and self-centeredness. You know, it's that toxic American individuality and exceptionalism. I'm different. I don't have to worry about it. My God. And then some of you are all posting it on social media proudly. And then we have people skipping the line for vaccinations. It's a mess. So yes, we are stressed out, we are tired, we're trying to get all of our needs met in a really inadequate cultural structure. (laughs) And we don't know when it's gonna resolve itself. And I think that's the hardest part of all of this, is we don't necessarily have answers, you know? And that, and that would help if we knew, when we know, when we have something, when we, we know when the end is in sight or we have a date, we can count on that, it reduces anxiety. When we know, well, we just have to hang in there till March or this will all be over by August, whatever it is, but we don't know that, right? 
So we're hanging in tight, doing the best we can with no idea as to when this will resolve. And that just adds pressure. So the best we can tell you is go easy on yourself, go easy on those around you, continue to hold boundaries, right? And if someone's acting in unsafe ways around COVID, set a boundary. Also, we're, we're resting. We're expecting 60% for ourselves and others. We're not expecting 100%. We're dropping the bar. We're focusing a lot on self-care, tons of joy and pleasure, and we're just doing our best. You know, and that's why I'm just telling everyone, crank it down a few notches, whatever it is we're talking about, let things go, come back to them in a different time, write them down. We'll come back to it, you know, and maybe if it's really feeling rough, get into some therapy. Now's a great time. A lot of people are accessing it, you know, so hang in there, but just keep taking care of yourself. Um, we have to be able to check in and know when we've kind of hit our limits and keep reaching out to people. We can't, we can't make all of the symptoms of this go away because we're responding to something real. Uh, but we can kind of, as I say, shave down the rough edges as best as we can. So good luck with that. Um, all right, y'all, that is our show question of the night as always up on our love line IG page. Um, and, uh, tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about some interesting facts around kissing. Ah, uh, yes. Interesting, interesting stuff as well as sex toys. Yes, that's right. Important facts about sex toys as well. You want to stick around for that. And as always, uh, show is podcasted over at wearechannelq.com. Just scroll on down. You'll see my little face. Click on it. There's all of our past episodes. You can binge them, share them, post them. Uh, question night. Uh, I said that already, but uh, DMs. Drop them in our Loveline IG page. Right in those DMs. Boop, boop. Anonymous and confidential. And uh, as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out with me. I hope you spend the rest of your night rooted in self-care, rest, joy, and pleasure. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful rest of your evening.